Hey there, welcome back to the Path to Zion podcast where we are rediscovering the ancient way. What is the ancient way? Most of it I don't know, but I'm finding it's all been laid out before me. I've just never had eyes to see, and I've never had ears to hear. What has been forsaken, abandoned, and left behind in order to pursue a new religion church that I inherited, but the Father has been kind enough to begin to draw me out from and into his eternal purposes. It's bigger than I'll ever be able to understand or surely explain appropriately. Now, we are in part three, which will be the conclusion of the ongoing series, Purposed in Our Hearts, A Call to Prepare for What is Coming. Now, in the last part, we kind of got to the meat of the matter, how Daniel had purposed in his heart to not be defiled, to not be enticed by even these, like we saw in in, uh, Psalms, the delicacies that, that are presented to us. Why? Because we have already decided we're going to be a holy, consecrated, set-apart people unto Yahweh, and nothing else matters. Everything else is secondary, and everything else has to be filtered through what he says is good for me. And if it's not there, I won't do it. I won't. I'm not going to make a big deal, which is where we ended part two. I'm not going to stand up defiant and shout and scream and make a big, just ornery... (laughs) Or deal about every single thing. You know, like if you, you order a salad at, at, at the restaurant and, and they bring you bacon on it, you don't turn the plate over, get this pork out of my face, this defiled swine's flesh. We're not talking about that. We're talking about a people who are, who are quiet and humble and real-life individuals who look a little bit like Yeshua. Okay? We talked about how in chapter 2, verse 14, that when, when the servant of the king was coming to, to take off the head of Daniel, <laughs> how he didn't stand up and fight him off and make sure that everybody knew, you know, he, he's, he's defiant in an inner place, you know, which is bound to the covenants of, the, of, the, of, his, of his father. An ancient covenant reality that says, no. I'm not bowing. I'm not eating. I'm not I'm not doing this, friend, because I'm not going to I'm not going to be defiled in the eyes of my of my father. And so what did he do? We talked about that in part 2 to great measure with discretion and discernment. He approaches and speaks to his executioner. <laughs> and then gets a seat before the king. And we don't have time to cover all these texts. Of course, as I said at the beginning, read Daniel 1, 2, and 3 and see what the Father says to you about it. There's so much here within it that I believe is practical for us in this age where people are, are really freaking out a little bit over preparation in the sense of fear and natural and just responding through our own intellect, Not I would say without discernment. Like, we don't, we don't really know. And that's, that's the whole point of this series is we don't know how we're going to act. We don't know yet how we're going to perform when the heat is really turned up because, friend, it's not yet. It's not. So many people think, oh, can it get any worse? I hear people say, I don't know how it can get any worse. Oh, my gosh. We don't understand. We don't understand. We need discernment. We need discretion. 
when we respond to what is coming and what we're told. We need to be godly men, man. We need to be a priesthood people, not just people mouthing off and looking foolish and arrogant and hurtful. I don't, I don't like that. So moving on to the culmination of this, um, and I try to think about everybody who will be listening to this, and there's many people who will listen that just really believe in a pre-tribulation rapture where we'll just be sucked out of here. We won't have to endure anything because, you know, God would never, you know, bring all these verses we could quote. I don't like talking about that anymore. That's 15 years old. But I know it needs mention nonetheless. And so because of that, I bring this up, that our motivation cannot be escapism. It can't be escapism or rapture-driven motives. Like, we can't read these texts, because that's how I've always heard them back in my church days, was I always heard these texts about, see, God won't allow you to go through that. Well, number one, they did go through it. They were delivered, yes, but like they still stood at the edge of a, of a furnace hot enough to consume grown men, and they had, to, they had to physically be there. Daniel was physically standing there when this king's commander came, to take his life. These are these are real life moments. Now these were not superhuman beings who just yeah, they were just above that because they were so godly. No, man. They were hungry, right? And they had to look at a steak sacrificed to idols and their stomach growled. Okay? This is real life. We can't take these men and exalt them to some deified status where they just didn't go through the same things that we will go through. But our goal instead of rapturitis mentality and escapism should be to stand marked and set apart unto Yahweh. We will we this is a warning for sure, okay? Church, Christian. We should never boast in the I will never. I will never do that. That that angst, I just that natural I get it, but it's just this unbridled emotion. I will never, and they'll never make me. Friends, you don't know. You don't know. I say this to people all the time, if, if it's appropriate. Most times it's not, because, man, people are volatile. Christians, believers, followers of Yeshua in the ancient way, they get so, like, just militant ready to go, ready to take out the bad guy. Like, I think that they, a lot of these men want this, like they're hoping for it. They're hoping for the green light to go get them. It's terrifying to me. I never see that in Yeshua, ever. But we don't know. Like, right now, what's on, what's on the pressing, you know, everywhere you turn about what they're saying we have to have? For our own good and, of course, for the children, for our neighbors. You have to. For your friends. Right now, of course, I have that resolve. No way. No. Never. <laughs> I'll never. I don't do it with such angst. But same, same resolve. No. And I don't believe this is the same as purposing in your heart that you won't do this. I think that's different. I am determined now. No. But... The scenario I give people if they're willing to actually talk about this and truly dialogue is 
I say that today because my life is normal. I have money in the bank. My business is functioning. I have a farm that's just enjoyable to be on. My son is healthy. I have more food than I'll be able to eat in months at my house. My pantry is full. My wife will cook dinner today. You know what I'm saying? It's easy to say I'll never. But change those circumstances, friend. Don't be so arrogant to miss the, the fact that maybe if circumstances really changed and my son hasn't eaten for three weeks and then you come, we're here. Do you want it now? We've got a van full of food. Friend, I'm telling you, you do not know what you're going to do. I don't know what I'm going to do. I can have all the resolve in the world right now. Let's just make it practical to my life. And if you think this is foolishness, it's fine. I don't eat what I believe the scriptures say are unclean animals. Again, as we've talked about and taught in other messages, there's not unclean food. There's animals made for food, and there's animals made that are not food, never were and never will be food. I believe that's so simple. We're never given license that that changed. And so my wife and son haven't eaten for three weeks, and someone comes up into my driveway, and this is outlandish to make a point. I know that. And they bring... 10 ham sandwiches, and they say, friend, eat this and live. If I have truly purposed in my heart that that defiles me before my creator, I cannot eat that. Because my, my heart is purposed towards being undefiled before my creator. And here's the thing, right? Well, well, man, a, a good, loving God would never put you in such circumstances. He would want you to eat and live. How do you know that? How do you know that? That's, that's natural-minded thinking to me. In my opinion, that's a naturally-minded man. Because we're, well, surely God would want this physical body to be preserved. Why? Why? He wants my heart to be purposed, I believe. So this, I would never, friends, you don't know. That is yet to be determined for us. Entirely yet to be determined. It is, however, about our heart, about our, our identities, as we looked at that word just a little bit, of being set and marked we say on the program all the time, that's what the ancient way reality really is. The more I study it, the more I see it in everything. A marked people, a consecrated people. The world does this. Religions, um, traditions, they do this. We, the people of Yahweh Elohim, do this. It's fine. Go and do that. Say you have the freedom and license to do whatever you want because of the new religion, blood of Messiah, that says you can live however you want. Go do that, friend. But I'm, I am back here adhering to the principles, commands, and ways of my perfect loving Father who designed these things to keep me within his safety and provision. We talked about that in the last message that we did here on the video. 
what is promised for the just, the upright. It It is not a promise to just everyone everywhere. It is for the just. It's for the consecrated upright ones. His protection is for the upright. That's the verse, period. This is why what we do in our lives every day matters. This is why, in my opinion, I've already covered, and I won't touch on any more, this is why what we eat matters. This is why whether or not we do feasts and understand the imagery of what is always coming and going every single year, why those things matter, what they're pointing to, what they're signifying, the preparation, the preparation, the preparation. It is, I believe, the Moedim, the feast, the marked, which is marked, set apart days. I believe they matter because they prepare me for what's coming. That was their purpose. This is why we must know what historically, biblically, set Yahweh's people apart according to his definition and not ours. Mm, I got to move past that. So what marks you, friend? What marks you? Inwardly, first and foremost, being a professing Christian will mean nothing in a day that's coming soon. You hear me. Professing to be a follower of Jesus who goes to church and has a Bible in his car will mean nothing in days that are probably fast approaching. What will enable us to stand like these men and countless, uh, countless others throughout the scriptures when these trials come in greater waves and in greater increments? I believe, I've not thought of this till right now, I'll propose this as a thought to connect, to connect this to the firing, fiery furnace specifically. What if, what if the enemy in the goings on of the earth is saying, you know what, it's time to take the fire up a few notches. Now, we're not talking about the purifying fire of Yahweh. We're talking about the, 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 the fire that is meant to consume you in a bad way, <laughs> to terminate you, to end you. Let's make it extra hot because we don't want the purposes of Yahweh making it out the other side. But what does Yahweh do? He makes a way where there is none. He does that. No matter what it looks like, whether it's my life preserved or, or whether it's my life ended, it does not matter. I've purposed in my heart to stand. I want to be marked by Yahweh's covenantal commands. In the pattern and in, in, in the image and likeness of Yeshua the Son, empowered by Holy Spirit to accomplish and do it all. It's not through my own efforts. It's not through my own anything. Not through my own righteousness or, or accomplishments or just better decisions. No. It's through His strength, through Holy Spirit's direction and unction. And I believe that is what gave Daniel discretion and discernment. We think, well, he's an Old Testament guy, so it didn't have anything to do with Holy Spirit. Well, that's hogwash. That's just a lie because we've not properly been taught how the Spirit functioned in Old Testament times. Why? Because we've divided the two. You've got the law, and then you've got the Holy Spirit. Errant teaching. 
Let's read chapter uh, 3 some in Daniel, and then we're going to bring this to a close. Starting in, chap in uh, verse 7. Okay. And we're backtracking here to, to bring this to a close. Whoever does not fall down, this is verse 6 actually of chapter 3. Whoever doesn't fall down and worship shall immediately be cast into the midst of a furnace of blazing fire. Therefore, at that time, when all the people heard the sound of the horn, flute, lyre, all these things, all these men and peoples of every language fell down and worshipped the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. Okay, so that's, that's, the, that's very simple events of the day, of that hour. Let's skip down to verse 12. There are certain Jews whom you have appointed over the administration of the province of Babylon, namely, I want to read the right names again, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. These men, O king, have disregarded you. They don't serve your gods or worship the golden image which you have set up. So Nebuchadnezzar, in rage and anger, gave orders to bring these men before him. He responded and said to them, Is this true? He calls them by their new Babylonian given name, which is alone probably degrading. Is this true that you don't serve my gods or worship the golden image that I have set up? Skip into verse 10, verse 18. These men say, Yeah, that's true. You've you've heard correctly. <laughs> we don't need to give you an answer about all this, because in paraphrase, no matter what happens, we're going to be delivered. Do what you need to do. We're going to be delivered. I think their resolve alone probably spoke more than anything else. The fact that they had purposed in their hearts standing before this king and weren't terrified, pleading for their lives, or angrily telling them, we'll never bow our knee. <laughs> Whatever it is they were doing, I'd love to have a peek into what happened exactly. But he's going to deliver us. And even if he doesn't, let it be known to you, O king, that we're not going to serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Friends, they had it purposed in their hearts that whatever comes, we're not being defiled. It's not going into my stomach, and my knees aren't going to the ground before your golden image. Period. It's resolved. It's set. I am marked. These men had no promise or assurance that they would be physically delivered. We do understand that, right? I don't want to be redundant, but we have to bring this back to real life. And why I'm saying that this is a call to prepare for what is coming, because, friends, you don't know. You don't know. That just because God is good, that he will preserve your physical life. You don't know that. You are not promised that. Is he equally Elohim of Elohims if it does not play out like that? If it doesn't end well for us, are we still so resolved? Because again... Take us the snapshot of this moment with a camera. And at that moment, 
when they are purposed in their hearts to not bow down to foreign idols and false gods, they did not know what was going to happen. We know the story, and that's the problem with our Christian teachings. We already know the end. How many times do you even see that and hear that stinking bumper sticker phrase? I already know God wins in the end. I know the ending. God wins. And we just make this so juvenile. It's embarrassing. We know the end and culmination of this story of these individuals. We know of the beautiful reality of the fourth man in the fire and their preservation. And, and, the, and they come out and the king says, Surely the God of these men will be the Elohim of our land. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. It's awesome. And may it be that way. But maybe not. Will we equally be purposed in our hearts to endure? Because these men had that resolve, not knowing they were about to be delivered. And again, we already know. So it's easy for us to just say, well, look what happened to them. But they didn't know at that time. Yet they had purposed in their heart. We don't know what's coming. I'm afraid many Christians will fall away because, number one, they're going to still be here when trials and tribulations come. And number two, all the Bible verses we've been told, if you've been in church your whole life, like me, promising no persecution, promising you'll be delivered, when that doesn't play out like people have been taught, the errant doctrine that if you just believe hard enough, you'll be okay, you'll be gone, when they're still here, I believe there's going to be a great falling away. They're going to be disappointed. They're going to correlate the errant teachings of pastors, preachers for the past however many hundreds of years in this nation. A hundred years. Barely, not even. You told me that God would preserve me and deliver me. You told me I wouldn't be here. I think they're going to be angry. I think it's part of the falling away which is why the time to establish our hearts is now. To purpose in our hearts now. Again, these men did not become prepared for that fiery furnace moment that day. I have to believe this was a process of maturation, of trust, of faith, of dependence upon the promises that are sure now that Yahweh is near to those who keep His commands. His covenantal promises. So, friend, don't wait or assume that you're just good to go because you're a Christian. You're not. It will not be sufficient. It will not be enough. It will not be enough when it comes time to stand. You're going to see a lot of people respond in the flesh to defend themselves, to preserve their life, to do everything in their natural power. I have a 50-plus page writing on what I call the fourth man principle. I don't know if it will ever become public. I don't know. Most people don't want to talk about that. My life is literally not my own. I feel like I understand that, and I don't know why. I literally lost my life into Yeshua the Son. And nobody takes my life, friend. I lay it down. And they called Yeshua a loser, to use our modern vernacular. He's no king. 
It's a mockery. A king rules. A cool. A, a king reigns. A cool. A king. <laughs> a king executes judgment. A king is a man who tells everybody how it's going to be. And Yeshua did not do that. He told them how it is. That's for sure. But not in a way that we do as men. So, friend, how do we be like these that we see in the book of Daniel? In just a couple chapters, we barely even touched on probably 10 verses. To be purposed in our hearts, because this is a call to prepare for what is coming. That, friends, we don't know. We don't know. It could be tomorrow. It could be in 100 years. I don't have a clue. But I want to be purposed. I'm not going to have much longer. I'm halfway through my life. I want to be purposed in my heart that whatever comes to me, I respond like these men. No mere Bible story. No feel-good deliverance story. Paul and Silas, man, they were rejoicing in the Lord and worshiping him, shackled and bound to the floor. They were free because they had purposed in their hearts. They were free because they were free in here. Out here, this stinks. But in here, I purposed it in my heart, and I'm going to be free. Friend, is, is that you? Is that you today? Do you know? Do you know how you're going to handle it? No, you don't. I don't either. But I want to prepare now by purposing in my heart to keep the ways of Yahweh Elohim, to be an undefiled, set-apart, consecrated, righteous, holy man through the blood of Yeshua Messiah, empowered by Holy Spirit, in the here and in the now, to prepare me for whatever's coming. You've been watching the Path to Zion podcast. We are rediscovering the ancient way. Shoot us an email. Podcast at gmail.com is the way to do that. We would love to hear from you wherever you are. We'd love to correspond, talk, encourage, listen, pray. Pray for me. <laughs> Let's be the body together. Thank you for watching. Amen.